Hey, good morning, everyone. How many of you, you are ready for fall? That was a little weak. That was like, woohoo. I was teasing. Jesse, our media guy, it wasn't even September yet. How dare he do this? He went to Dunkin' Donuts or wherever, and he had a pumpkin spice latte. Shame on him. In August. It's just getting too early, right? Uh, so it's here. It's here. It's among us. And uh, we're bracing for uh, shoveling our driveways in two weeks or so. And so, but it was a it was a good summer. It was a warm summer. It was a fun summer. It was a fast summer. So, but we're so glad you're here. Those of you who join us online, we're continuing our series in the book of Proverbs. And we're looking at wisdom. How do we gain wisdom? How many of you say, there have been times in my life I have made some really, really dumb decisions? Right? You made those bad decisions, and there's, maybe you have some regrets, maybe some things that you've done in your past. And the thing we want to look at, what we've been looking at in the book of Proverbs, is how can we live our lives with the wisdom of God and knowing that we're pleasing Him in the choices we make, in the decisions that we make, so that when we live our lives, we can look back over our lives with fewer and fewer and fewer regrets. And how many know that takes a lot of humility and openness to hear the word of God and to submit to the word of God and allow the word of God to work itself into our souls. Here's the here's the biggest struggle you're going to have with the wisdom of God. Here's the biggest struggle. It's not understanding the word of God because we can understand the word of God. It's not complex. It's not so hard that we cannot understand it. The biggest problem you're going to have in applying wisdom to your life and living with far, far fewer regrets is you. It's me. It's, it's humility. It's humbling ourselves to allow pride to be moved out of the way, to allow God to do his work in our lives. The biggest obstacle in your life is always going to be you. Amen? Can I get an amen? I know it's hard, right? It's going to be you. And it, we always want to blame it on everybody else, right? We want to say, well, it's this, it's that. If this, if this was out of my life, or if I didn't have this obstacle, or this person was nice to me, if my boss was nice to me, right? It goes on and on and on and on. But the biggest obstacle for you to gain wisdom is you, because you have to do the work. We have to submit ourselves to the word of God, to allow God to work in our hearts and our lives. And so that's the, the starting of wisdom is the fear of God. Understand that he is creator, that he must have control in our lives. So here's the question we're going to dive into today. Are you ready? Here's the question. The one question we need to ask ourselves consistently is this. What pleases God? Or what does God love? What pleases God? If you are married here today, how many married people we got in the crowd today? How many people online? Raise your hand online. Okay, a lot of married people here today. Um, Listen, how many of you know it's a good thing when you try to please your spouse and you try to do things that make them happy and serve them? That makes for a good, good marriage when there's this mutual submission and we're serving each other. Can I get an amen? When things go bad, right? When things go bad, if you can trace back any argument, or dispute that you had, it always comes back to our selfishness. We didn't get what we want. And the other person didn't understand me. And there was a miscommunication, and then it becomes this big fight. The way that we break that is through a servant's heart. 
by humbling ourselves. What are the things that please God? Have you ever asked yourself that question? God, what pleases you? Is my life pleasing to you? Am I doing the things in my life that you love? And so one of the things that we see throughout Scripture is that God loves a humble heart. God loves a humble heart. So what what does that mean? Because we tend to see humility as timidity or allowing ourselves to be walked over or uh, people who never stick up for themselves. That's not what humility is. Humility is not timidity. Humility is not allowing yourself to be a doormat. That's not what humility is. But here's what humility is. Are you ready? Humility is this. Humility is having a proper view of ourselves. Humility is having a proper view of ourselves. And the Word of God gives us a realistic view of ourselves and the condition of our heart and how we are wayward and how we can't trust our heart because it's deceitful above all things. So we need to recognize that our lives are flawed because of sin. So if we recognize it about ourselves, that really intrinsically we want things our way. I didn't hear one amen, but that's okay. I did hear somebody online. I think I heard somebody online. Write that in the comment. Amen, Pastor. Right? Listen, intrinsically, we're all selfish. Intrinsically, we all have our own preferences. Right? We all have the things that we want. We want things our way. And everybody sitting here today, you all have a different preference. Listen, you all, we all have different preferences on music style, don't we? That's why in churches, sometimes it's so hard with worship because everybody has a different preference about a style of worship, a style of music you listen to, right? Your kids listen to one thing. That's why I love my kids. They just, I just say, listen, we're listening to the 70s music and you're going to like it, right? Because that was the best year, right? You know, so it, it, it's difficult because we all have preferences. Now, bring that into the kingdom of God and bring that into the family of God and we all have got our preferences. See, humility says... It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the building of God's kingdom. And sometimes I need to step away and look at, are these things really my preferences and what I want? Or is this for the betterment of God's people and God's kingdom? And I love when I see people forgo maybe some of their preferences for the betterment of the building of God's people. I love that. That's when you know a church can walk in unity and move forward in the power of Christ and focus on the things that we need to focus on. So humility, humility is recognizing who we are. It's recognizing the condition of our heart that we need a savior and we need to recognize that we are flawed. Humility understands that a humble person is not easily offended. It doesn't mean we don't have convictions or, or know, you know when to speak up. That's not what, what I'm talking about here. It means to be slow to act, not to be hot-tempered. Humility is, is, is just admitting that we need help. Every single one of us needs help that we all make mistakes, that we all make unwise decisions, that in one way or another, we have blown it with relationships, said things we haven't met, said things about people that we didn't mean because in the moment we were mad or angry. We've all done those things. Humility is admitting, admitting we need help. So the humble 
are the ones that Christ calls. The humble are the ones that God blesses. Let me give you a couple passages here to set this up as we jump into Proverbs. Matthew 5, 5 said, God, God blesses those who are humble, for they will inherit the whole earth. God blesses, God loves those who are humble. I love what Jesus says about himself and his ministry and about how he is humble and gentle in heart. Jesus said to those who felt burdened by religion, who felt, Jesus called those who felt like they didn't measure up to the religious standard of their day because the religious of that day were putting these heavy burdens on people to act a certain way, to be a certain way. And many people said, I can't, I can't be like that. And they just gave up. Listen to who Jesus called. Jesus says to them, Come to me, all you are weary and carry heavy burdens. He says, and I'll do this, I'll give you rest. All of you who've been carrying this heavy burden of religion, trying to be a perfect person, trying to check off all the boxes, and you feel like a failure because you never have measured up to this religious standard that the religious elite were placing on your back. He said, come to me and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Now, it's interesting that Jesus says here, take my yoke. When you think about a yoke, that's not a comfortable thing. You know, a, a, a yoke is a wooden frame that would link two animals together to work, to plow the fields. That's not comfortable. That's a heavy burden. And Jesus says, listen, the religious elite have been placing this heavy yoke upon your shoulders to be this religious person, to act a certain way, and then throwing all these rules upon rules upon rules upon rules that you feel like you have failed at, and so you can't measure up, so you've given up. Jesus says, no, 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 take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. He's saying, because I'm not going to burden your life by bringing you another religion or a bunch of more rules. He says, take my yoke because it's fitting. My yoke is not going to burden you to try to be something that you could never measure up to. And Jesus, the reason why you can take my yoke upon you is because I'm gentle and humble in heart. And I will give you rest for your souls. I will do the work for you that you can't do for yourselves. Catch this. Is Jesus getting slack on sin? No. Is he, is he saying, do whatever you want and that's okay? No. What Jesus is saying, take my life upon you. Receive my grace and my forgiveness. And as you come to me in humility, the Spirit of Christ will come in us and we'll walk in that humility and we're going to want to do the things that please Christ. Not because we have to, not because someone put this heavy burden on our backs, but because now we walk in that freedom of Christ, that he has set us free, that he has forgiven us of our sins. And now out of freedom, not out of bondage, we desire to serve Christ. Isn't that wonderful? There's a privilege now of wanting to serve Christ and do what pleases him, not out of a religious spirit, 
but out of a person who's been set free and forgiven of their sins. So now my life wants to glorify Christ and do the things that he desires me to do. That's the beautiful thing about having a relationship, a true relationship with Jesus, is that it sets us free from ourselves and our ability to want to please God through our own strength and religiosity. Jesus came to break that. He says, take my yoke upon you because it's fitting. I'm humble and gentle in heart. Let me teach you. So if we're going to truly follow God and and please Christ in our life, then we must follow the one who is gentle and humble in heart, allowing him to teach us. For those that learn from God and grow the most are the humble in heart. In fact, one of the root meanings of humility is to be grounded. It means to be grounded or it means lowliness. I love what Proverbs says here. So let's jump in, let's jump in the book of Proverbs here. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes what? Disgrace. But with humility comes what? Wisdom. Okay, so this is where wisdom is applied to our life. When we walk in humility, then wisdom is applied to our life and we will begin to do the things that truly please God. See, pride doesn't allow us to see ourselves correctly. When we are not walking in humility and the tenderness that comes by walking in the spirit of Christ, when pride enters in, when I want my way, all of a sudden the spirit of Christ goes out the window. And this is where disgrace comes. But with humility comes wisdom. I begin to look at my life differently. I begin to look at my heart differently. I remember when I was younger, I had this friend of mine, and um, he was—he—he he just kind of thought he knew a lot of stuff, right? Everybody had that friend, right, that just knew everything. And uh, so I had this mini bike that my dad got, and we were fixing it up, this little Rupp mini bike with a two-and-a-half-horse engine, Tecumseh engine, that actually blew out because we put got sand in it, and that was fun. But um, it was this cool little mini bike, and my friend comes over, and he wants to ride it. So my dad's like, hey, do you really know how? I mean, you know, it's, you know, we want you to be safe. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, oh, I ride them all the time. Yeah, I can do wheelies, you know, I, I'm, I'm all on it. My dad's like, are you sure? He kept, I kept asking, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Sure enough, he gets on it, opens up the throttle, and rides right into our fence. Just boom. And my dad's like, my dad's like, you haven't really ridden a minute. Okay, you need to get off and go home now. Okay, so... <laughs> You know, with pride, we understand with pride, we want to we want to give off this aura that we're all that sometimes. Right. Or that we know what we're talking about. But what the word of God tells us with wisdom comes this humility. Notice the proverb says that humility and wisdom go hand in hand. Listen, we can think we know everything or we're the smartest person in the room sometimes, but that's not wisdom. It's not wisdom, and it's not walking in humility. And the Word of God tells us, listen, if we're going to be a chaser after God, if we're going to chase after Christ in our life, every single one of us need to understand the wisdom that comes from walking in humility. You see, pride will always stagnate our walk. Pride will blind you to yourself. 
And when we get stubborn and we want to be right, it will blind us to the Spirit of Christ working in our hearts and our lives. It will cause us to have an unteachable spirit that will allow us to become deaf to truly hear God. And when Jesus says, let me teach you, but the way I teach you is through gentleness and humility, when pride gets in the way, it causes us to have an unteachable spirit to allow us to see our hearts the way they need to be seen. Humility is going to be seen in how we treat others, but it has to start with us. Humility must start with us. I love what, I've quoted this before, but I love this quote by C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity. He talks about humility and how, how we understand humility, and this is, so, this is so true and so good, I love this. C.S. Lewis says here, he says, if you're going to understand humility, he will not be thinking about humility. So you're not going to be thinking about, ah, you know, one of my greatest characteristics is I'm just a humble person. You know, in a job interview, they say, what's a positive thing? I'm just humble. I, you know, I'm just a humble person. So I love what he says here. He will not be thinking about humility. He will not be thinking about himself at all. I love that. Not thinking about yourself at all. If anyone would like to acquire humility, I can, I think, tell him the first step. The first step is to realize that one is what? Proud. Oh, that. It's so good. The first step is to realize that every single one of them in some way has is, is proud or, or prideful. And he says, but this is the biggest step too. And I believe that is 100% correct. At least nothing whatever can be done before it. So true. And if you think you are not conceited, it means you are very conceited indeed. <laughs> Amen. It's so good. So I like this because what C.S. Lewis brings out is the first step is to recognize that every single one of us are proud, everyone, including myself, and somewhere or another, we are proud. And listen, it's okay to be proud about doing a good job or wanting to do best in your life. That, that, that's Do your best. That, that's fine. But pride and being proud about yourself, sometimes you get a wrong view of yourself. And if we're not careful with that, it will crowd out humility and walking in humility. I like what John Piper says here about meekness and humility. He says, meekness is the power to absorb adversity and criticism without lashing back. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Think about that for just a minute. Mm-mm. It's a good one. So let me give you a word picture here, a word picture of humility. How many horse people out there today? How many horse lovers? Come on, we are in Wayne County, man. That's it? Okay, let me give you, this is for you horse lovers out there. Okay, let me give, this is a great word picture of humility. And it's a picture of a, of a wild animal that's been tamed. You know, think of, a, think of a wild horse that's been tamed. It reminds me of watching, you know, the old westerns where someone has to tame that, that wild horse and they've just caught it and it's in the, the, the pen or the ring or whatever you call that thing. And uh, the thing's just bucking. It's going all over the place. And, and you know, you got to be that one person that's going to get on it and, and, and try to tame that horse, you know. And, and the only person that could ever do that was John Wayne. I mean, that was it. it was John, he goes out there and for some reason he knows how to time, uh, tame that, that wild, wild horse. So the horse had to be, had to be broken. It's, it's, a picture, it's a perfect picture of humility. Because what humility really is, it's strength under control. Meekness is not weakness. Humility is not weakness. See, the most powerful people are the most gentle. The most powerful people are the most gentle. 
They don't need to flex their ego or try to flex their muscles. Right? They don't need to do that. See, those that are insecure need to talk about themselves or try to impress others by telling them about their resume. See, those that are secure don't need to brag. You see, Jesus, even though he walked in humility, he never gave up his power. He was still all-powerful. He willingly submitted to God and allowed himself to go to the cross for you and I, but he was still fully God. Fully God. I want you to think for a moment, a horse that is tamed is still the same horse before it was broken, before it was tamed. Same horse, same power. It still has much more power than its rider, yet now its strength under control. The horse's power has now been harnessed. So I want you to think for a moment. When we allow pride and our, and our ambitions to get in the way, this is where we need to be careful. Because if our humility is not, is not there and if it's not harnessed, then what begins to happen is we want our way and we get angry and we get mad and so on and so forth and we want to get our own way because of our pride. Because we want to be right. And I think so many times, listen, let's be careful here. So many times we want to be right and with being right we can be wrong at the same time. Always remember this. When you have a disagreement, when you have been offended, and every single one of us have been offended one time in our life, amen? Right? We all get offended. When you are offended, right? That doesn't mean we're never going to be offended. Just remember this. What are you more concerned with? Being right or reconciling with that relationship? Remind yourself of that. Jesus whole ambition when he came to earth was to reconcile us back to a right relationship with God. Were we wrong? Absolutely. Could he have pointed out all our sins over and over again? Absolutely. Could he say, I told you so. Have fun with that, right? But what he did was he came to do something about it and to reconcile our relationship back to God that was broken because of our sin. So just remember, it's not just about Jesus coming and telling us that we're all wrong and he was right, which he's right. But Jesus' ambition was to come and make things right by restoring our relationship with God that was broken because of our sins. And we were enemies with God. So thanks be to Jesus that he came to do that for us. So just remember that in your relationships. So let me give you a couple things here. Let me give you a couple things here. What do humble people recognize? All right, these are fun. So are you ready to have fun? All right, these are fun. What, what do humble people recognize? When we're walking in the spirit of Christ in this gentleness and humility, what do humble people recognize? First of all, humble people recognize their mistakes. No amens again, but that's okay. They, they recognize their mistakes. Here's the thing I want you to think about. Are you willing to admit when you are wrong and do you apologize for that? Do you apologize for that? Just remember... You can be right and wrong at the same time. Always remember it's about reconciliation. It's about the relationship. 
So humble people recognize their mistakes. Humble people recognize others' contributions and strengths. Other people recognize other people's contribution and strength. I was watching the U.S. Open the other day with Kathleen. Serena Williams has just finished. You guys watch tennis. But Serena Williams, incredible best women's tennis player of all times. She had her last match lost in the third round. And they had to interview the girl that beat Serena Williams in her last professional tennis match. And I love the interview. All she did was talk about Serena and her contribution to tennis. Was such a classy interview. I was telling Kathleen, I go, gosh, I hope she talks about Serena. I hope she doesn't, you know, get up there and say, man, I just took Serena down. Right? Everybody hated her for that. But she took the humble route and recognized her contribution to tennis. So humble people recognize others' contributions, strength. Third thing here, what do they what do they recognize? They recognize their weakness, and they look to others for help. We recognize our weaknesses, and they look to others for help. Humble people recognize that they do not need to be the center of attention. They don't need to be the center of attention. Listen, when you're listening to somebody else, you're talking to them, and they're telling you about something positive that happened in their life, just stay, stay there. Stay in that conversation. Don't turn it back around to you. I've done that a lot, too. Like I'm like, oh, I can add to this, or I can one-up that person. Oh, yeah, oh, you went there? Oh, yeah, but I went here. Yeah, a couple of years, yeah, I went, yeah, yeah, I did that, yeah. Yeah, you went there, but yeah, I went here, though. Can I tell you about And then all of a sudden, the conversation, just stay there. Just stay, stay, stay in that conversation with that person and ask them questions, right? Have you ever been in a conversation, all of a sudden it got turned around, you're talking, all of a sudden it just got back to them. You're like, what just happened? What just happened? I was just telling them about my, you know, wonderful trip here, and all of a sudden they're talking about, you know, their trip to, you know, wherever. So let's, let's stay. Let's stay on that person, right? We don't need to be the center of attention. Look at the humble people recognize this too. Uh, the need to listen to others before they speak. Just be present. Just listen. Listen to what someone's saying. Be present. Ask questions. Humble people do that. I love that. You know, sometimes you just talk to people and then they ask you questions and you're like, God, it just feels like that person's really interested in my life. It makes you feel so good when you walk away from that conversation. You're like, gosh, they were genuinely, maybe they weren't, but they made me feel good about myself for a couple of minutes, right? What do, what do humble people recognize too? They, they recognize the values of others over themselves. They recognize the values of others over themselves. And and let me put the exclamation point on that from Philippians, one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I love this. Because I believe if we can get this, it will not only help us in our own personal lives, but our relationships with one another. Listen to what it says, Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Paul says here, Apostle Paul says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Amen? That's beautiful. That is so beautiful. That is the heart of Christ. And that is exactly what Jesus did for you and I. I want you to notice what Paul is emphasizing here. Humility is not thinking of yourself as insignificant or no good or beating yourself up all the time. That's not humility. Notice what Paul says. Consider others before yourself or value others above yourself. 
So let me ask you a question. How was Jesus humble? How was he humble? He was the epitome of humility because he put others before himself. He came not to be served, but to serve others and to become a ransom for you and I, to give his life for you and I so that we can enjoy eternal life. You see, in pride, what we'll end up doing is putting others down in order to lift ourselves up. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did just the opposite. He lowered himself to lift us up. Isn't that amazing? Lowered himself. We're going to take communion in just a minute. But he lowered himself. He hung on a tree naked for you and I so that we could find eternal life and we could be forgiven of our sins. So consider this. How do we value others above ourselves? Jesus is humble because he came to serve. So the question, let me just throw a couple questions here just at you real quick. How do you handle criticism? How easily are you offended? Are we too worried about what others think? These are all pride issues that we need to deal with. And humility crushes those things. When we walk in humility before the Lord, I don't have to constantly, constantly defend myself. I don't have to be easily offended. See, humility understands that we cannot please everyone. Our main concern is how are we pleasing God and how are we serving? Are we teachable? How do we react when we are corrected? How do we handle praise and thanks? How do we handle when someone encourages us or says something nice to us or gives us praise or thanks? How do we handle that? Is it a humbling thing? We're like, man, thank you for the encouragement. I really, you know, I, I appreciate that and, 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 and take it with humility and give God the glory. Or are you upset when you're not thanked? That's another pride thing. Well, gosh, they didn't thank me for that. I just did that. I didn't get a thank you. Did, did, I, did we get a thank you note from them? I don't think we got a thank you. I don't think so. Maybe I just, did we get a thank you? I don't think we got a thank you note. Right? Let's be careful. So, The question is, how do we walk in humility? How do we walk in this humility? And then we're going to take communion. How do we walk in humility consistently in our lives? Here's how we do it. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. So what do I mean by that? None of us in this room and everybody watching on TV, none of us deserve God's grace. We don't deserve his forgiveness. None of us do. We didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. It's it's a free gift that God gives us, not dependent on you. Aren't you glad for that? That should humble every single one of us in this room. So when someone does something to you or you didn't like it or someone said something and it, it, it just ruffled your feathers, right? Just remember that Christ forgave you. Just remember that Christ forgave you. Preach that gospel to yourself of of God's forgiveness. And once again, I am not negating anything that might have happened in your life, some abuse, something horrible that has happened to you. I'm not saying that that lets people off scot-free. People have to answer for what they have to answer for. Amen? And they have to stand before the Lord. 
but don't allow it to stop you from receiving grace and giving grace and forgiveness to set you free so that your spirit is not poisoned. Are you hearing me? That's where humility comes in. That Jesus, I am a sinner and you came to save me. And that should humble every single one of us. Should humble every single one of us. God loved us when we didn't love Him. So here's the test for humility. Are you ready? What is the test for humility? When we walk in humility, we love people even when they don't deserve it or they don't get it or they don't see it our way. That's the hard part to love people who don't deserve it. Amen? It's easy to love people who love you back and are nice and, you know, say nice things about you, right? But it's hard to love people who don't deserve it or don't get it. Always remember this, and I, I loved this. If I, if I learned anything from our last missions trip to Utah when we were serving a group of people who were caught in a terrible cult. And we could say, well, they're caught in this cult, and do they deserve to be loved on? Do they deserve to be served? Or do they deserve just to be preached at and told that they've got it all screwed up? And I love what the mission of the Dream Center was there in Utah that was reaching out to this group of people who were caught in a horrible, horrible call. See, we don't qualify who we serve, we don't qualify who we love. That's walking in humility. And it was amazing to be able to serve a group of people who, yes, were caught in a horrible cult, who were blinded to the truth of God and his love for them. But as we served them and showed them the love of Christ, a relationship began to develop. And openness from their side, too, of seeing the love of Christ and acceptance and developing a relationship so that Christ's name would be glorified and that Christ's name that would know who Jesus truly is and what he came to do for them. Don't qualify who you serve. Listen, when people come to our church and we do, uh, whether it's a, maybe it's a, you know, a school giveaway and they drive through and we give, we don't stop people and say, hey, look, can, wait, wait, wait a minute, hold on, stop. Before we give you any uh, school supplies, we've got a little survey here for you. See how you're living your life. Okay? And then we'll figure out whether or not you deserve the gifts, right? We don't. Are you glad that Jesus doesn't treat us that way? He says, come as you are messy, broken, bruised, ugly, sinful beat up and humble yourself before me and I will lift you up. Let's not qualify the people that we serve, qualify the people that we love. Too easy. And I listen, I've got to guard my heart all the time because I get so judgmental. Amen? Am I the only one in the room that gets judgmental? We do. We do. And we, we just want to make judgment calls and oh, they're this way. We make speculation, blah, 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 to all that, Okay glad you were in the front row because I just spit on everyone in the front row. 
Listen, let's be careful. Humility breaks all that. Humility breaks all that. So when I when I saw our teenagers in Utah serving those girls that were part of this fundamental church of Latter-day Saints involved in a cult and just serving them, fixing up their library. It's a humbling thing. And they saw it. They saw it. That's us being Jesus' hands and feet into this world who so desperately needs to see a real Savior. Listen, the best way that you're going to preach the gospel is through your humility and your love for them. And when you speak, they're going to listen because they see your compassion and your humility and your love. And I guarantee their hearts will be more receptive because you walk in humility before Jesus. Amen? So as we take communion today, I want us to do it a little bit differently today, okay? As we take communion today, I want you, listen, do not, I'm going to tell you right now, do not, and it's okay, no one's here, there's no judgment zone here, okay? Do not, please, do not take communion today haphazardly. If you feel like there's something in your heart, in your life, that you feel is not right with God, Paul even says, examine your hearts first. Because this is a serious thing that we do. When we take communion, we're recognizing that Jesus died for our sins. We're recognizing his sacrifice for us. And if I take this haphazardly, and I know there's sin in my life, and I know there's things that I'm in rebellion on God, and I'm not doing things completely up front with God, please do not take communion. And we will not judge you. But here's the good news. Before you take it, confess your sins to him. And say, God, I haven't been up front with you. I've got some things that are hiding in my heart that I've not been totally truthful with you. And I know you know them, but but I haven't been truthful with you. Lay them before the Lord today and allow his blood to cover it today and to cleanse you today. That's humility. That's having a teachable spirit. Maybe right now you're in a, a bad relationship with somebody or you know you said some things about somebody and you're like, whoo, I'm feeling a little convicted now. Good, good, good. Let the Holy Spirit do a work over on your heart right now and then make, humble yourself and make those relationships right. Whether that person receives it or not doesn't matter. It matters to you that you're making it right. But don't don't jump into communion like it's one thing we do once a month and we're like, okay, we take communion. And, okay, Jesus, thank you for your blood and your sacrifice, blah, blah. No, this is about you making your heart right before you take this. Paul even said that's why some of you are sick among you because you're taking communion haphazardly and you're not recognizing the power of the blood to cover your sins People don't jump into this and just say it's another religious thing that I do. Don't take it. Please don't take it if that's you. But if you're serious, if you're serious today and you say, I've got some things in my heart that I've got to make right with you, God, then do it and then feel free to take communion under the blessing of God's 
forgiveness. Amen. This isn't a judge. This isn't me make, trying to make you feel guilty. This is me caring for you and myself that we do things right before God. That's the humility that he's looking for. And when we humble ourselves, he lifts us up and he receives us and he covers us of all our iniquities. In a moment, he does it when I confess that to him. So let's just have a Jesus moment, can we? Just for a second before the worship team comes, I want you just to close your eyes, block yourself off with the Lord for just a moment. This is just a holy moment right now. Just let God speak to your heart. And if there's things that you need to, and all of us do, all of us do, let's confess it to him. Let's make it right before him right now. Just take that moment, just you and the Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Forgive us, God. Thank you for your covering. Thank you, Lord. Father God, as we come before you, your word says that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we do that now. I pray that we would take this moment as a sacred moment to realize how powerful your blood is, that without your sacrifice, we could not find forgiveness of our sins. So we confess those to you today. Holy Spirit, show us those secret things in our lives that we have hidden from you. Those things that we have done that did not glorify your name. And we thank you for your forgiveness. Help us to walk in humility in our relationships with one another. That means that we need to write a letter, an email, see somebody face-to-face, whatever that might be. God, help us to do that, to take that route of humility and ask for forgiveness and work on the relationship and reconciliation more than just simply being right. Help us, God, in this. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 Let's let's partake together. You can take the top foil there, takes the the wafer out, and then the next one takes the juice out. I want you to hold the emblems in your hand. And as we take communion together as a church, I want you to realize that this is what binds us together as a church. It's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we're covered, that we're forgiven. The bread symbolizes Jesus' body that was given for us. He said, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We remember that it's only through Christ. When you take this, you are recognizing that Jesus and Jesus alone is Lord, that he is the only one who can cover and cleanse you of your sins. And so let's thank him for that. Let's thank him for his body and his blood that was given for us, who was perfect in every way, who became our substitute so that we could find life and forgiveness and wholeness and eternal life. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's partake of the bread together. Thank you, Lord, for your body in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's partake of the juice together thanking him for his blood and what he's done for us.
So let's partake of that together as the body of Christ. Amen. Let's partake of that together. Amen. 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 When you finish with that, would you stand? And we're going to just close in in song today and just glorify the Lamb of God and what Jesus Christ did for us. Can we just thank the Lord today for His Word, for speaking to our hearts. Amen. Amen.